The following podcast contains alcohol-enhanced conversations about alcohol, as well as the potential for the discussion about topics of dubious, disturbing, possibly offensive, but usually hilarious interest. The opinions stated herein are solely of the persons making them, and any endorsement of these opinions by any other party is not implied. Foul language is likely, but intolerant viewpoints are not. Listener intoxication is advised. Welcome to episode 42 of the Whiskey Tangent Podcast. I'm Scott. And I am Ed. And today, instead of highlighting similar whiskeys from different brands, we're going to focus on the whiskeys of a single brand, one with roots that date back almost 270 years wow. to before the American Revolution that we actually mentioned on our very first podcast. <laughs> Inappropriately. <laughs> but to which we've given very little airtime since. Yes. And that brand is Michter's. Go ahead, Ed, say it. Well, it's Michter's. Right. But I originally pronounced it as Michner's. That's right. And then um, I was corrected the first episode three times by Scott, maybe yes. four, yeah. that it's Michter's. Yeah, maybe I'll so, drop that in right here. So I have... <laughs> right, we'll wait for it. Here it is. Right. I did a flight of Michner's. I never really had sampled the Mr. Michter's? Michner's, yeah, thank you. Michner's. Mick- Michter's? Michter's? Michter's. Mick- yes, Michter's. <laughs> I'm putting in a TH sound. You're, you're putting a sh in it. I'm sh- you're Mishters. And, and I got to try four different. Um, four different what? Mixters. Yeah, Mixters. <laughs> four different Mixters for the. Uh, Mixters. Mixters, yeah. And joining us in our deep dive into this iconic brand is the mayor of Jackie's Crossing, Siobhan. Hi. So sit back, relax, pour yourself your favorite beverage of choice while Ed gets us going by telling us which Michter's expressions we'll be diving into tonight. Right, and then we have quite a selection. I mean, I was intrigued by the regular bourbon because I'm mm-hmm. a bourbon guy, and the sour mash is something that I looked for, but somebody wanted a $70 for it, and I said, no, you won't get that because no, no. it's a $40 bottle. Yeah, fuck that shit. So what we chose was the interesting unblended American whiskey, which is uh, about 83.4 proof. Well, not like four. It actually is 83.4. It's very accurate. <laughs> very accurate. It's uh, three it's to seven round years. It's not a round. Yeah. It's exactly 83.4 proof. It's very specific. <laughs> very. It's actually uh, 41.7% alcohol if you're mm. keeping a score at home. Mm. And it, mm. it's aged for about three to seven years, which is a weird range, which Scott will explain to you in a little bit. Yes. And then we got the single barrel rye because Scott went shopping instead of me because I would have got the bourbon and he got the rye so yeah, there we are it's true and um <laughs> um i saw the barrel strength for 199 and i said no uh, yeah we will not be doing the barrel strength no. so for those of you who are tuning in tonight hoping for the barrel strength sorry to disappoint you but give us 200 dollars and we'll do it <laughs> we'd rather do four other bottles of mictors for that price it's time to start thinking about a way to earn some money guys we do mm, we do patreon oh my up. god mm, patreon maybe. oh my god go fund me <laughs> go fund our whiskey habit go fund my liver <laughs> <laughs> right can we like start saving money for the dialysis i'm going to need in a few years jesus 
I feel bad because I don't want to make fun of dial spaces. No. That's a terrible existence. So yeah, we're terrible. gonna cut that out. And I mean, this time for real. Right? No, we're not. I'll, no, I'll no. Beep it or no. something. Yeah. It'll be. No. Yeah. Take it out. It's rude. <laughs> that's what <laughs> she said. Oh, take, ah! <laughs> take it out. That's rude. That's what she said. <laughs> God damn it. Now we have to keep it in. God damn you, Siobhan. Why can't you just be quiet once a while? Okay, so. Okay, and tell us the victim's I'm, I'm sorry to everybody in kidney failure. Finally. I meant no disrespect. Did um, I did. Uh, and true story here, Siobhan was supposed to come hang with us after we did this episode, but we're so far behind that she came in at the time she was supposed to come. Right. And we were just starting the episode. Right. It's like 9.20 right now. We're like, all right. I know. We, we started doing this at like 7. It took us two hours to do a 20-minute short. Don't ask me why. Yes. We got carried away. And, and side drinking and as everything usual, else. yes. That's why it's a tangent, <laughs> right? So the single barrel Kentucky straight rye. Yes. Once again, a mash bill that is undisclosed. They are so proprietary with their mash bills. I My know. God, it's like the, it's the CIA couldn't do as good a job mm. as keeping it a secret. They really are. Eighty-four point eight percent. It's so fucking specific on their proof. Like, what is wrong with just rounding it to eighty-five at this uh, point? Well, five to seven years age. But what's interesting about that is normally when you walk into a store, you see the bourbon, the rye, and the sour mash all the same price, which is really rare because normally places like to just jump around with their brands. Mm-hmm. Now, if you get the 10-year or if you get barrel strength, you're going to pay more money. It shouldn't be a 199 though, so fuck no. them if they're charging that. No, all of their base expressions should be under right. 50. And we're going to start with the unblended American whiskey first. It's already in our glasses, breathing. Yes, it's breathing right now. And uh, before we do that, I'm going to do the history. Now, the history of this brand is frankly insane. I went through an internet rabbit hole. I How'd first, you get out? I, I don't know. Clawed and scratched my way out. Well, he owned rabbits, so he has a way I out. I did. And I, I so they taught me how to get out of rabbit holes. It's <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> no, it is dumb. I usually start with Wikipedia and just see what the basic information is. And then I take some of their uh, references and I look at those. And then this led me to an article posted to bourbonculture.com titled Michter's Distillery, Past, Present, and Future. And I copied the entire thing into a Word document. It wow. was like nine pages. So I distilled that down to like about two pages. See what I did there? You distilled it, did you? Ah! (laughs) Wow. So I'm going to do this in two parts. I'll do the first part. We'll taste the first whiskey and then we'll come back, do the second part and taste the second whiskey because it's a lot. But I think it's worth it to whiskey nerds like me and Ed and possibly Siobhan now also. Soon. Yeah, soon. (laughs) (laughs) This is intensely interesting and it just shows the incestuous nature Wow. Ooh, of is that legal? The whiskey industry. Uh, I mean, we've been over this before, so I'm not surprised. Right. So here it is. Part one. In 1753, Michael Schenk filed a patent for a grist mill for the purposes of a distilling alcohol to be located near Snitzel Creek in what is now Schaefertown, Pennsylvania. We're not even a country in 1753. He I filed know. it with the English? I, d- I don't know who he filed it with. What actually, the hell frankly. happened there? Yeah. About 50 miles northwest of Philadelphia. So about 70 miles from where we're sitting wow. right now. Right. Interesting. Many historians say that Michael and his brother John started the distillery, but John was only 13. So, <laughs> Well, really. there weren't any labor laws. Right. So that's there's a, certainly, you That's know. true. They could have, I guess started together. So Michael Schenk was the true owner and mostly using it for personal consumption and bartering with neighbors. In 1827, the Schenk family stillhouse was passed down to Michael Schenk's son-in-law, Rudolf Meyer III. And for 30 years, Meyer's employee, John Kreitzer, controlled the day-to-day operations and expanded several times by constructing new buildings for production and storage. In 1860, Meyer sold the distillery 
sale number one Uh to Abraham Bomberger, whose mother was a shank, thereby keeping the distillery in the shank family. Bomberger also expanded the operations, eventually growing it to a legitimate commercial-sized distillery, which by 1875 was doing so well that they had to begin hiring outside help rather than depend on the extended family to run it. In 1904, old Abe died and his two sons, Horst and Samuel, took over and renamed the distillery H.H. Bomberger until 1920. And what happened in 1920, Ed? Stupid. <laughs> bam, bam, bam. <laughs> Prohibition. Prohibition. <laughs> On the day before Prohibition began, locals lined up at the distillery with casks, jugs, and bottles of all sizes to get their fill of the legal whiskey before it would have to be shut down. The line was reportedly two and a half miles long. Oh my God. And all their stocks were sold. So the Bomberger brothers decided to sell the entire distillery, sale number two, to a local man named Ephraim Seacrest, who said he'd be using the land for quote unquote farming. But it's rumored that the still wasn't exactly quiet during the 13 years of prohibition that was in place. And whenever the locals would start running low on whiskey, they'd get together and secretly fire up the still to make some more. <laughs> In 1942, Seacrest sold the distillery to Lewis Foreman, sale number three, who owned a spirits distribution business. Wait, what year? 1942. Foreman, huh? Apparently no relation with the Brown Foreman. Okay, That's a good question because there's no Brown Foreman connection there. However, his plans were put on hold after he was drafted for military service for World War II. So Foreman sold it to Logansport Distilling Company. Sale number four. Wow. When he returned in 1945 from the war, Foreman discovered that Logansport had been bought out by Shenley. Sale number five. Mm-hmm. One of the top liquor producers, basically the Diageo of the world at the time. In 1950, Foreman was able to secure loans to buy back the distillery. Sale number six. Whereupon he changed the name to Michter's. Ah. And this is one of the most fascinating things to me. Michter's he created by combining the names of his two sons, Michael and Peter. Wow. Are you so, kidding me? No. So it's not anyone's last name. It's the first four letters of Michael and the last three letters of Peter. That's wow. Michter's. Wow. Then one day, after surveying the distillery grounds, Foreman found a recipe in the attic of one of the buildings which detailed the style of whiskey that used to be produced there. Foreman asked his new master distiller, Charles Everett Beam. Mm. What? <laughs> I told you Shut this your is a, mouth. I told you this is an amazing what story. What year is this? Uh, this is in the early 1950s. Charles Everett Beam was the son of Joseph Beam, second cousin to Jim Beam, and one of six Beam brothers to head up distilleries in Kentucky at that time. Oh my God. To recreate the recipe, Foreman wanted this whiskey to be aged six years before releasing it, but when the time came to bottle, a national recession and waning popularity of whiskey caused a glut and nobody was making much profit. So in 1970, drowning in debt and having too much inventory, Foreman sold the distillery again to spirits conglomerate Penco. Sale number seven. In 1972, Charles Everett Beam retired, succeeded by his apprentice Dick Stoll, but as the whiskey glut continued to grow, so did Penco's financial troubles, Mm. and they foreclosed on the Schaeferstown Distillery in 1974. But good old Lewis Foreman returned, and together with some local businessmen, bought the distillery once again. Sale number eight. Wow. Still, the reality of downward trending whiskey sales remained, but one of the few bright spots was the success that some distilleries were having by bottling their own whiskeys in collectible decanters. 
So Michters decided that they would follow suit. In 1976, as the nation prepared for the bicentennial, they began releasing decanters with various iconographic American images. And it was during this time that they also began claiming that the whiskey that had been made on the same grounds by the Schenck family 200 years prior may have been enjoyed by George Washington's soldiers at Valley Forge, which is only 20 miles away. Wow. And they changed their logo to read the whiskey that warmed the revolution. <laughs> Eventually, however, the effects of the flailing whiskey industry were too much to bear, and production was halted in 1989. Sadness. It is widely believed that the bonds of the barrels of whiskey that remained inside the Michter's warehouses hadn't been paid and therefore couldn't be resold. Federal agents gutted the entire facility uh. of any remaining whiskey, dumping the barrels into tanker trucks and smashing any existing bottles. Oh, you're like, God, is that, how is that possible in 1989, you horse? The tanker truck then drove to the facility in New Jersey that processed it into ethanol for fuel. You are bastards. Oh, my God. I hope you rot in hell, whoever did that. Jersey, he represents. <laughs> My God, you had thirty year, like what thirty year fucking bourbon? You just dumped it in the fucking I Jersey, know. dude. I, a fucking Jersey, bitch. Oh my God, I know, right? And thus came to an end the story of the original Michter's Distillery in Pennsylvania. However, less than a decade later, the modern Michter's would rise again, and I'll talk about that later in part two. All right, so we're looking at the unblended American whiskey. Yes. It first came in the market in 2003. It's widely believed to be closely related to the concept used for early times where a portion of the whiskey is aged in used barrels and then mixed with the actual bourbon. Mm. So the reason this is an American whiskey, it isn't because the mash bill isn't a bourbon mash bill, but it is aged in used barrels and not new American oak barrels. And so, that's against the rules. Wow. Yeah. It's 80% bourbon with 20% whiskey aged in used barrels for three years, but the Michter's formula is undisclosed. Many believe that the additional coloring and flavoring are added in, which is actually perfectly legal to do as long as you don't try to label it a bourbon. They don't say they do, but then again, they don't say they don't. <laughs> However, mm, the word sounds like a lot of Jersey talk there. Yeah, right. However, the word unblended in the name means that at the very least, no neutral grain spirits have been mixed in. Right. So it is a traditional bourbon mash. Right. The first batches of unblended American whiskey were likely the result of a bulk whiskey purchase from Willett, with production and bottling later moving to Brown Foreman's early times distillery. But sometime in 2020, the unblended whiskey began being produced entirely in-house after the sale of the early times brand to Sazerac. Vampires. <laughs> reported by me as possibly being vampires. Yes. Again, this is an 83.4. 83 is kind of low, but we'll see. Yeah. All right. So first the nose. It has a oh, great nose, actually. It really does. It's nice and calm. Very, I mean, once again, corn and molasses on the nose. Okay. Definitely like a maple aftertaste. It's There's a fruity nose. Maybe um, like a burnt sugar. Burnt sugar, yeah. yep, yep. It's a wonderful nose. Uh, almost even a uh, light cherry scent. Like buttery caramel. Buttery caramel. Butterscotch. Yeah, yep, all that. I mean, honestly, this is a yeah. wonderful nose. It's a, it, and once again, one thing we've learned is bland noses don't mean that the whiskey won't taste good. We've had a lot of delicious whiskeys with a terrible nose. Mm -hmm. You only have to go to the Larceny Barrel Proof that comes out next week. Right, right. <laughs> that we already recorded to right. tell you that the nose was nothing special and the taste was very special. Oh, my God. But this nose is exceptional. So let's give it a taste and see where the, it kind of falls with the nose. Yeah. Mm, interesting. Mm. 83.4 might be right on because it's actually pretty fiery. It's 
It's a really great yeah. flavor. It's one of the most alcohol-forward 83.4 proof whiskeys I've ever drank. Yeah, it is. But it's very lightly sweet, easy drinking. It's not as Aside sweet as a nose. That, it's not. I don't mean that as a negative, but yeah. it certainly is not as sweet as it smells. Yet the flavor is good. I mean. What are you tasting on the palate? And then I'll tell you what you're supposed to taste. Oh, damn. Mm. I mean, I'm definitely tasting uh, cherries. Like, I, I know I always say cherries. I know I always I'm I know, sorry. It's such a cliche with you. But, God, it's just there. It's just a flavor that you get in a traditional mash bill. And I think that's borne out by this because I think this is a traditional mash bill bourbon, mm-hmm. even though they can't call it a bourbon because they used used barrels. What do you taste, Siobhan? Pepper. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say spice, you yeah. know, yeah. spice. Is that on the finish or on the uh, palate? Both. Okay. Yeah. I'm definitely getting it on the finish. A peppery, spicy. Yeah. yeah. Here's what they tell you. Yeah. So on the nose, they want oak front center with corn, molasses, and caraway seeds. Caraway seeds. Interesting. What the fuck does that smell like? I don't know. It's fucking (laughs) annoying. Uh, Rye bread, right? Rye bread. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So, um... Palette. Sweet notes of vanilla, cherry. Ah! I know. I was, vindicated. I, I knew. I'd already read it. I was waiting. I was <laughs> fucking with you, but I knew you were right. <laughs> so for once, I was waiting for you to win. It was a win for you. It's a butterscotch, is what she said on the nose. Yes, butterscotch. And yeah. corn. And then the finish is smooth and lasting with toasted oak and a touch of pepper. Touch of pepper. Way more than a touch of pepper. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, yeah. yeah. But so I think we did a good job on it. So let's talk about overall. So you go in a bar, you order this. I have mine on the globe right now. I'm going to let you know what I feel. I need a little fresh whiskey. Over. This is really good. I don't feel like I need to put some water in it, but I'm going to just to see what happens. I mean, it's already getting a little watered down for me because it started so low. Right. You have the globe on it. You're, I yeah. do. I put on the globe, but... It's good. Yeah, this is a wonderfully drinking bourbon. There is yeah. a little bit of alcohol. It's letting you know that it's a whiskey, but yeah. it's not completely in your face. Yeah. I, th- I mean, I don't know if you're like me and you're going to have seven drinks in a night. If you're having seven drinks in a night, maybe 85 is enough. You don't have to do 114 <laughs> the whole yeah. fucking night. You right. know what I mean? Seven 114s is right. a lot different right. than 785s. Right. 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 If you, yeah, if you want to know why I felt Do the math. Right. If you want to know why I was sleeping in a train station one night, <laughs> all you have to do is ask bad decision making. So. <laughs> I've noticed recently, like, I've been drinking Evan Williams Single Barrel, which is like 86 proof, and it's delicious. Mm-hmm. I've been drinking that on like a regular weekday night, you know? Yeah. Do you drink that on a globe or with some water in it, or you I, just drink it straight? Now? No, no. I actually put it on the globe. Uh, I do both. Okay. I, 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 if, if I had a, a fridge to chill it, I would just chill it, Scott, but... Um, and I will soon. I'm sorry. You do have a fridge because I fucking <laughs> I know, bought you one. I know, but, but I it's haven't. it's still not hooked up. Scott. No, it's not, it's not plugged in yet because I didn't move yet. So I'm going to take it with me to right. my new place. It's in I'm... a box in my office. It's a lot right. of ifs going on in right. this conversation. But when I get it, it's, say. it's true. But anyway. <laughs> anyway. Stop. I'm trying to talk. But anyway. Um, <laughs> um, so I found that after two years of drinking every whiskey I could get, the higher proof, the better. I'm finding that, you know, on a regular work day, I just want an 85 and 86. I'm okay with a basil hate. I'm okay. Even a 90 it doesn't have to be 115 proof. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, that's a very easy drinking whiskey for me. I would totally order this again in yeah. a bar. I'm sort of surprised how much I like it for yeah. it being so low proof. Yeah. Can we say again one more time? It definitely hits harder than 83. It tastes like an 88. It's yeah. that got fullness to it, that density to it. There's this weird complexity. Like the beginning's kind of like quick. The finish does fade, but there's this real depth in the middle. Like this, mm-hmm. this it really does resonate with a couple of layers of flavor. It's I, I very really, interesting. Yeah, I really would like this at 90. I don't think it needs to be 100 or right, anything, right, but right. I, I really would like it 5% higher. You're wrong. 
<laughs> I think 87 8 would be better. Yeah. I think 90 would be too yeah. much for the, It's already alcohol forward at 84. Yeah. I can't imagine it at 90. And obviously, this is not for everybody because uh, yeah. Siobhan gave yes. both her glasses to me and Ed. Yeah. She's like, I don't really care for this. Right. This is not my so thing. Now, which I, is fine. I think um, I was expecting something different than what I got from the nose. And usually, what I, yeah. usually what I get on the nose is pretty accurate. Yeah, yeah. And I felt like when I took that sip initially, and then even after. Yeah. You know, as it goes down, I mean, it's burning and it's burning and it's burning. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, oh, this is not what and, I was and, anticipating. And you know what? For someone who's had less whiskey than we have, mm-hmm. and that's a legitimate position to be in. You know, not everybody has right. had right. as much whiskey right. as Ed yeah. and I have. Like somebody whose palate is a little bit lower tolerance, let's yeah. say. Or newer. Right. Yeah, or newer. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I, I can totally see you not embracing this immediately. Yeah. And the smell is better than the taste. And I'm yes. going to bring up something else. I was drinking the Angel's in <laughs> Oh, I mean, right. I Before, mean, so, right. And, and you know, it's you just did. like... Yeah. <laughs> this is not Angel in your eye. It's right. true. Yeah. It's true. No, fa- yeah, no, no fault of Victor's, but that's... <laughs> no. No, 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 no. So maybe Siobhan will like the straight rye that we had right, second. Now, right, because now that she's cleared her palate with the American unblended whiskey, she can actually enjoy the rye. <laughs> right. Um, but I mean, it's not fair to compare the Victor's with a $100 or $90 bottle. <laughs> no, it's Angel. not. Not at all. Right. It's half price. Right, really, it's right. Price. So, um, I mean, I wouldn't pay a dollar over forty-five for this. But <laughs> no, no, if no it's over to, forty-five, don't get right, it. Right, there's no reason to pay more than. Yeah, this is not special, but it's nice. Reminds me a little bit. Just a little bit of Knob Creek. Ah, I mean, it's so hard because Knob Creek's so fucking high right, proof. Exactly. If Knob Creek had a like lame cousin, <laughs> if he had a lame cousin, his name would be Gabe. Oh, oh damn. damn! Oh, Gabers! Oh, Gabers! Oh, Wait, even hey. not even here, he's still getting love. Wow! So not only does Ed make fun of Gabe on the podcast when he's not here, Siobhan now does too. <laughs> well, I, you know, when in Rome. Right. <laughs> Right. Normally, Anders and Jeff protect Gabe when they're on. That's but true. Siobhan Anders, jumps in and Anders bullies and them. Anders and Jeff are protectors of Gabe. And yeah. I'm just very neutral. I'm Sweden. Right. But you guys are aggressive. You're yeah. like Nazi Germany. And Gabe is like France. <laughs> <laughs> Nine Gabe. Z Gabe. Z Gabe. All no, right. We miss you, Gabe. It's been a while. We uh, do. We do. I, I didn't get out to the, the Whiskey Tangent crew. Went out to a tasting on Sunday, and I was able to oh, be there. yeah, we did. Three of our jacket recipients were there rocking their jackets, representing. Yeah, Gabe, Jeff, and Siobhan were in their jackets and it was a little embarrassing because I don't have a jacket right <laughs> we're sitting in the distillery and the, like everyone's like staring at their jackets and like not asking us what they're about right just yeah. looking at them like they're, they're wow because they're they're so they know they're not worthy right. fuck well, you don't ask what no. our jackets are random belligerence fine don't ask about our jackets edition uh, we'll put the picture on our Instagram yes. for this oh. for this episode yes yeah, we'll we will that. Unless, of course, you can't find that photo. No, I have it. I have four photos. And Unless you, cast, you can't find that photo. You, you nixed two of them. I sent the photo to you, Siobhan. <laughs> You had the photo. She doesn't like half the photos I, I took. I don't like my photos. <laughs> well, we'll pick one that you like and you'll post it. We'll, we'll just, or we'll cut off you. I, right? Yeah, I can Jeff do that. Like, All right. Or we'll just Photoshop Beyonce in a red jacket and stick her in there. <laughs> we'll, we'll just half Siobhan and just yeah. where it says your name on the jacket. Right. Yeah, Because she was there and we cut her out because she didn't like her own photo. Right. So it was a local distillery and I was down the shore and yeah. it, I was I was, <laughs> I was missed. <laughs> I was, see, I was missed. There's a little bit of a 
little um, bit of animosity. A little animosity involved <laughs> for me not being there. It was a whiskey tangent event, and I missed it. So you it's certainly fine. did. I did a lot of Ed's work. Yeah, you she, did. She was uh, networking for me at the yeah. distillery. Yeah, because Ed's our ambassador out in the world, right. and I, I'm like, as I said to Javon, right. I'm genetically incapable <laughs> of self promotion. Right. So now I have more duties, which means there should be more pay and more whiskey. Boy. I will double your pay right now. Well, we don't pay ourselves, so <laughs> she's definitely. We'll, we'll, we'll give you I, more whiskey. I will oh, pay you right. Agreed. 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 Mm. Problem is, like a year ago, she would take a bottle of bullet ride. Now it's a bullet angel. <laughs> like so, exponentially, our costs keep going up, and right. yet we have no sponsors yet. The bigger, this is all your fault, guys. I know we are. Like, the bigger fan of whiskey that she becomes <laughs> under our tutelage, right. the more we have to pay. Right. Two years from now, she'll be at the boss hog level of uh, <laughs> compensation. I want boss hog, damn it. Until I get a $450 bottle in my hand right now. Right. Your Instagram just got quiet, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> Posting a photo of an upside down boss hog bottle. I'm out, bros. I'm out. I'm like, Siobhan, did the distillery contact us? Oh, you want me to respond to that? Oh, maybe you didn't notice my liquor cabinet's empty. <laughs> All right, so that's it. We're going to take a break now. We're going to pour the straight right. Kentucky single barrel rye and then go through the second part of the history. All right, so we've now cleaned the glasses, and uh, <laughs> I still have a big chunk of the unblended American because Siobhan didn't want hers, and I still have a lot left. Right. So the history part two, the modern Michters, because when we left off in part one, mm-hmm. Michters in Pennsylvania had been shuttered. So it picks back up in January of 1996, where David Beam, Mother Beam, the grandnephew of Jim Beam, brother of Baker Beam, and master distiller for Jim Beam Distillery for 37 years, was approached by a friend about the grounds in Pennsylvania that she had just purchased at an auction, asking if he would inspect the property. When he did, he was amazed to find one of the pot stills intact and in good condition. Wanting to retain a piece of whiskey history, David formulated a plan to move it back home to Kentucky. Assembling a small team of conspirators, including his three sons, as well as Larry Walker of Heaven Hill and Donnie Ritchie of Jim Beam, they drove 730 miles to Schaeferstown, Pennsylvania, with a couple of flatbed trucks and a cherry picker. Together with some local Mennonite farmers, they lifted the one-ton copper pot still and various other components through the roof of the building onto the back of the truck beds, Jesus. driving back to Bardstown, Kentucky, where he stored everything in his garage. <laughs> what the hell is that right that's insanity right at the same time two men from new york city were plotting to resurrect the defunct michter's brand joseph j magliacco and richard newman magliacco who had entered the wine and spirits industry after attending yale college and graduating from harvard law school was intimately wow look at you mr overachiever uh, right was intimately familiar with the michter's brand through his college days spent drinking and bartending and as the founder of chatham imports incorporated of manhattan magliacco was looking to add a premium rye to his spirits portfolio newman meanwhile had followed up his purple heart earning service in the u.s marine Damn. corps with an illustrious career in the whiskey business personally overseeing the brands of old granddad 
Old Crow, and Old Taylor for National Distillers before becoming president and CEO of Austin Nichols, the original brand creator and rectifier of Wild Turkey. All right, I'm with you. He owes us a penance for Old Crow. Shame on you. But Old Granddad <laughs> yes. and Wild Turkey, yes. right? They're iconic. I don't know why Old Crow's existed. I don't, I don't either. So after filing the paperwork to purchase the abandoned Nictor's trademark for a mere $243. We could have done that. We could have done that. The three of us could have done that on a fucking weekend. <laughs> we can get that now. Right. Exactly. Edge, Siobhan, and Scott. Oh, right. Hell yeah. yeah. Technically, sale number nine. Let's just say right now, (laughs) technically. Chatham Imports was suddenly the new owner of one of the oldest whiskey labels in the industry, after which they made their first major strategic decision to base their new company in Kentucky, ensuring access to the best whiskey talent and resources available. Sure. And using those resources, they quickly got to work finding whiskey that they could release under the Michter's name, eventually settling on the barrels of rye whiskey and bourbon that had been produced and aged at United Distillers in Louisville. Mm. It was also around this time that they established a relationship with Julian Van Winkle, the third, Happy's wow. grandson. Shut your mouth. Uh-huh. I, I told you <laughs> this where, was crazy. Where is, he from, where is he at? He's at Beam? No. So Julian Van Winkle, the third, Pappy's grandson, who was running his business out of Lawrenceburg, Kentucky, and in 2000 agreed to bottle the barrels that they had purchased. Wow. So he's bottling for them. So between 2000 and 2002, Michter's 10-year rye and 10-year bourbon were sourced from United Distillers and bottled at the Van Winkle facility. However, after securing a deal with Buffalo Trace to partner with his bourbon brand, Julian Ranwinkle III told Michters that he could no longer bottle their whiskey, but that he had a friend in Bardstown, Kentucky, who could help him out. That friend's name was Evan Colesveen, the owner of Kentucky Bourbon Distillers, a.k.a. KBD, a.k.a. Willet. Oh, my God. Don't tell me. Willet is rearing its ugly head again. Willet's involved, They're, right? Everybody's fucking involved. an ancestral relationship. I know. Isn't it crazy? So at the time, Willet didn't distill their own stuff yet. This was around 2000. They sourced not only well-aged bourbon and rye from other distillers, but also much younger and cheaper whiskey in bulk from distillers that had too much on hand. So together, the teams from KBD and Michters hatched a new idea to expand the Michter's line. In early 2003, Michter's unblended American whiskey, which we just tasted, and Michter's single barrel straight rye, which we're about to taste, were born. This was 2003. Bottled in new glass shape along with labels that resembled the same ones that you can find today. Right. In 2004, Michter's also entered into an agreement with an undisclosed Kentucky distillery to produce whiskey for them for a few days out of each year, later confirmed to be Brown Foreman's early time distillery. Yeah, I think it was actually distilled with unicorn tears and virgin blood. As you do. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, because I get a lot of money for that stuff. Oh. (laughs) She must own a unicorn because I don't know what the fuck she's talking about virgin blood. (laughs) (laughs) I killed those two. Oh, shit. Siobhan, unicorn killer. <laughs> or virgins tied up in your closets, maybe Ooh. waiting for. We're going to take a break. We're going to go for Siobhan. We'll <laughs> see the virgins. We're going to milk a virgin. We'll be right back. The recipes, yeast, and barrel entry proof for their lines of whiskey were all specified by Michters and then put into barrels, which were some of the most expensive in the business due to their insistence that the wood be seasoned anywhere between 18 and 36 months. Wow. Almost unheard of amount of time considering that most distillers use wood seasoned for just three to six months. They also specified that their barrels were to be toasted prior to being charred. Strangely, though, Michters does not use one set char level. Rather, they use a mixture of barrel char number two all the way to char number four. But not dragon char because that's not not a dragon char because it's not a thing. And we made that up. Right, we made that up. (laughs) After coming off the still at 138 proof, the whiskey is also proofed down to 103. Insanity. 
before being put in the barrel, which of course requires even more barrels. Finally, they were aged in Brown Foreman's heat-cycled warehouses until they were ready. However, with the whiskey industry now coming out of its long dormancy, the ink wasn't even dry on the Brown Foreman contract before Magliacco saw the writing on the wall. In order to stay competitive in the about-to-boom whiskey marketplace, Michters needed to build their own distillery and fast. And so it was that after poaching talent from Brown Foreman and deciding to keep the new distillery in Kentucky in 2011, Magliaco got wind that David Peem had that authentic pot still from the original Michter's distillery in his garage, just sitting there for 15 years. He reached out only to discover that Beam had just sold it a month earlier to a buyer in Ohio. What the fuck? Mag- Ohio? Yeah, Ohio. Magliaco anxiously called the new owner to make him an offer he couldn't refuse. Apparently, though, it was refused. Oh. But Magliaco was relentless. And by the time the distillery was completed, in 2015, four years later, the owner finally relented and Michter's had its original still. Wow. Oh my God. What an amazing story. I'm on the edge of my seat here. <laughs> no. And so today, after many expansions and staff additions, the modern Michter's distillery now ages in bottles their own juice. Their core US1 lineup consists of four whiskeys, the previously mentioned single barrel rye and American whiskey that we have tonight, plus a bourbon and a sour mash. They also have 10, 20, 25 year limited releases, a single barrel, barrel proof and toasted barrel expressions as well. So no longer do they need to depend on their brown form and produced whiskey for consistent products year after year. And now that the training wheels are off, Mictor's future depends on their ability to remain competitive with their other Kentucky distillery rivals. But now, with three locations in Kentucky, a 78,000-square-foot distillery in the Shively section of Louisville, wow. their public-facing distillery in the Fort Nelson building in Louisville's Museum Row, and 145 acres of farmland in Springfield, all of wow. which collectively have the capacity to produce a total of 175,000 barrels, they're showing what? no signs of slowing down. That's ridiculous. Isn't that crazy? Yes. It's it's one of the most interesting histories we've ever had on the podcast. I'm telling you. I, I want to say it's probably the most interesting I know. that I have heard. Isn't that crazy? Far. Yeah. I mean, these other companies are so willing to reach out and help a new brand or at least a new extension of a brand thrive. And I think part of the reason you probably have to look at the Beam family. The yeah. Beam family has ties to so many different distilleries. So even if one of them is not the master distiller there anymore, they used to be. So ah, I don't want to see Michter's fail. I don't want to see yeah. Heaven Hill fail. So like they're all cousins sitting around talking about like, listen, <laughs> can I get 40,000 gallons of whiskey from you next year? I'm like, oh, I got it. I got some, uh, it's pretty immature. Oh, sorry. We'll right. make it work. You got space in your warehouse. Yeah. Can you take my 20,000 barrels that I just distilled? Yeah, sure. Why not? Go I ahead. Mean, because everyone has a stake in everyone else's business, and that's why it's so uh, sort of fraternal and friendly competition. Right. So you don't want anyone to fail because that makes you fail a little bit too. Right. But now we do each have some lovely pours of the single barrel rye, which yep. Siobhan is going to tell us about. Released in 2003, along with the unblended American whiskey, it was likely youngish rye whiskey that KBD bought in bulk from Old Forester, who was already producing a rye whiskey for Heaven Hill. Although it doesn't wear an age statement, early barrels were thought to be around four years old, while modern barrels are said to be anywhere from five to seven years old. Just like the unblended American whiskey, this whiskey was likely bottled at the Early Times plant shortly after the 2004 contract agreement. And starting in 2020, at the earliest, it can be assumed that the whiskey that is inside the bottles could have been distilled and aged at Michter's own facility. Mm-hmm. Exciting. We're tasting their own stuff. Yeah. What's the proof again? 84.8. 
and the mash bill's proprietary. So let's smell it. It's a very active nose, similar to the unblended American whiskey. It's really nice. I'm smelling um, green apples. Yeah, I get green apples. Totally. On the nose? Yeah. I get a gala apple. I'm just kidding. No, I don't. <laughs> I get a honey crisp. Mm. <laughs> Fuji for me. Um. <laughs> Granny Smith. <laughs> so because this was their new stuff and it was different from the stuff that they released prior to 2020, I tried to get reviews that were post-2020 yeah. with the tasting notes because the yeah. tasting notes could differ. You know, On the nose, a little spicy vanilla toffee, maybe a little leather. But no, I'm getting a, a tartar fruit thing, like we said. Uh, yeah. Taste? Did you guys taste it? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I'm about to. Mm. Leather. I get leather. It might be on the finish. Um, tasting notes. Yeah, these are from the Whiskey Adventurer in January 2021. The palate is smooth butterscotch syrup, orange vanilla, and peppery. All right, let me taste if I get any vanilla. I get, I get that. Butterscotch syrup but is But orange vanilla is like a creamsicle. I'm not getting a creamsicle right now. Mm-mm, mm-mm. But I am getting, um, I'm getting orange and pepper at the finish. <sighs> Medium to long, delicious, sweet, peppery. That's the finish. The unblended American whiskey was toasted oak and a touch of pepper. So this is long, delicious, sweet, peppery. Interestingly, the American whiskey was much more oak forward. And this, I don't really taste a lot of oak. If I was going to the store tomorrow, I'd, I'd buy this over the American. Yeah. What do you think, Siobhan? I, I'm sort of torn. Yeah, Siobhan refused both of them. She doesn't like either. Yeah. It's just that I'm smelling all everything that would make this a nice, smooth whiskey. And mm-hmm. it's disappointing me. And it's just like biting me. And it's almost like, you know, I, I took a ride with the snake. Mm-hmm. And then it bit me and it's like, mm. bitch, I'm a snake. <laughs> they say a hint of pepper. They actually mean an entire container of pepper, guys. <laughs> I agree that the nose of both of these belie their taste. Yeah. So, so it's not as indicative of the taste as a usually a nose is. Right. The nose and the taste are very different. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, and I agree with that. And what you're saying is you're disappointed in that. Yeah. yeah. You really like the nose and you're really excited for the taste and yeah. the taste is underwhelming. That's a valid criticism of and, these you know, And I still thank you for inviting me on. You know, I didn't do that on purpose or anything. No, it's no. my no. honest opinion. I think, again, if this was a higher proof, if this was 90-92, what we're smelling on the nose would also be reflected on the palate because it, I think it's yes. a little bit too watered down it, at yes. the 84. You're absolutely right because there are those times when we're sniffing it and we're just like, whoa, yeah, yeah. We, can, we can feel that. And, and, and we've and, drank an, a lot of high-proof whiskey, mm-hmm. yeah. especially yeah. this year on yeah. the podcast. Yeah. And anything under 90 now is a little underwhelming. But right. I have to tell you, I've had this on a globe probably sitting closer to like 75 right mm-hmm, now. Mm-hmm. The flavor profile is still present. It's pleasant. It, it, it holds up. nice drinking whiskey. There's nothing wrong with it. What we're doing is really splitting hairs for $40 too yeah for $40 I mean get the old overholt oh god so old overholt is what $23 because my opinion is this is better than old overholt thank you and we'll see thank you wow you gave me a lot bro you just made it a task it's like three ounces of old overholt I don't want to drink that much well now remember the old overholt is bottled and bond so this is a hundred proof right Right. So it's also 15 bucks less. That is also true. 
Mm. This I could drink. Very similar. Mm. See, so that's what I'm talking about. If these expressions were higher proof, yes. yeah. and it doesn't have to be 100, but it could mm-hmm. be 92 or 94. Right. This is I outstanding. Think, yeah. I think these expressions would also be outstanding. Right. Right now, they're good. Mm-hmm. Good to decent. You, you might even think they're great if that's where you are in your whiskey this life. This gives just enough bite. Yeah. It's not yeah, overly yeah. aggressive. Yeah. It's not slowly pouring hotly down my throat. Oh, that's what he said. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i would so love to be hotly pointing out right now oh my god so love to be Just you're getting a letter from hr tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> i think you're officially getting a suspension sir. <laughs> oh my god well welcome <laughs> to the whiskey tangent podcast i'm scott i'm siobhan <laughs> i'm lester i'm a temp hired to replace ed because he's on suspension for being a bad boy oh. Shit. No, well, we just get Gabe. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Gabe. I just drank the rye back to back with the hundred proof, which is giving up sixteen points to it. Okay, there's not a fifteen point drop off between the two. I don't know how they make these so alcohol forward for eighty four proof, but to me, I tasted incredible similarity between the old overholt and the straight rye. I agree. Uh, tasting them side by side, the eighty four point eight proof Michter's straight right. rye, yeah, tastes. Just as alcoholic as the hundred proof yeah. old overhaul. I mean, you're tasting that, right? Yeah, yeah. I would no. taste them again. How about side? Yeah, yeah. Where's the old overhaul at? Uh, Sounds like uh, someone's an alcoholic, ladies. It, it, gentlemen. It's right in front of you on the counter there. Can you read that, Siobhan? Dude, insane? I can reach it from here. You know, you could just stand up and go <laughs> oh, over there man, and get I it. I get the wow. headphones off. It's oh a whole other god. thing. Oh my god! Oh my god! We don't have a lot left. Just drink it out of the bottle, for God's sake. Yeah, just suck it down. Ed's got to suck me down before anything goes on. I'll put the six to your nine. Oh, shit. Uh, No, I don't want to work. Just lay there. All you got to do is lay there and move your tongue. Oh, my. Scott, you can jump in, too. It'll be like a a six, nine, six. What is that like? A six, nine, six? (laughs) Six, nine, six. (laughs) That sounds like some sort of like code from the FBI or like spies. I got a 696 situation going on here. Somebody's got to come there and help me. (laughs) You know, I I like them both. I have to tell you, they're so similar side by side. Yeah, they're very similar. They're not. No, you don't think they're similar? Not at all. Because that Bictors, it slowly creeps up on you, then it just punches you right in your chin. And, I so, mean, so you like the old Arvo better? Yeah. Oh, okay. I mean, well, yeah. you'll save a lot of money doing that, right? Because it's half price. <laughs> it's twenty three dollars at forty one. All right. So the only thing we have to do left now is to talk about their other expressions that we haven't. Right. So we add the Kentucky Straight Rye. Yeah. We have the American whiskey. Right. There is a Kentucky Straight Bourbon. They also have a sour mash, purportedly not a bourbon. Right. Uh, they call it sour mash because they use a starter fermentation. And I was going to buy it today to surprise Scott. Like, all right, because he only wanted to oh, do two. Yeah, oh, yeah, that would have been nice. And I found it in one store for $70. I was like, fuck you. I'm not paying $70 <laughs> no, for sour mash mixtures. Fuck you. That's $30 I've more than it, it should be. I've seen it for 42 like yeah, last month. Fuck, like, fuck you. Yeah, fuck that shit. But yeah, you know what? How, Actually, how much do you love the podcast? At- I do. I, I bought $100 of whiskey at the store and didn't buy the... Well, we did the larceny earlier. Uh, He bought that for eighty nine dollars. Yeah, that was ninety bucks. Okay. Yeah, and we'll have you taste that afterwards because yeah, I I can't wait for you to try it. I think you'll enjoy. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah, so I want you you to try it. So, in limited production, Michter's has. um, She's gonna do belly button shots off me. (laughs) Several others. Oh my god! Are you gonna be pouring bleach in there? (laughs) All right. 
I prefer pineapple juice. But it was her know. face that I'm laughing at. She was so horrified by the thought of like oh, a belly button shot. She's like, oh, Ew, there's Jesus. so much lint in there. It's like, oh my god, it's like, it's like, it's like emptying the lint on your dryer. <laughs> there's like, there's like a, a jeans worth of lint. <laughs> You could loom it into mittens. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Victor's other expressions. Victor's <laughs> other expressions. So they have a 10-year Kentucky straight rye. They have a 10-year Kentucky straight bourbon. And they have a 20-year Kentucky straight bourbon. For a million dollars. Yeah, I'm I know. Sure. They have a 25-year Kentucky straight rye. Two million. And a 25-year <laughs> Kentucky straight bourbon. For your firstborn. A barrel strength rye, mm. which is the one you saw for like two hundred dollars, exactly. And a limited and it should be here. A limited release barrel strength bourbon. They also have a, a toasted barrel finish, which is nice. Sour mash, a toasted barrel finish bourbon, and a toasted barrel finish rye. So basically, they have a toasted of their base it's, expressions. I mean, and then but f- you can't find them. I don't no, see no, them anywhere. You can't. So what can they find? The bourbon? Yeah, their core ones are the straight rye that we have tonight. The American whiskey that we have tonight, their bourbon and their sour mash. Exactly. And normally three of them are the exact same price and one's a little higher. Yeah. Uh, the bourbon was at least right. at the liquor store that I went to. And it's interesting because the flavor of both whiskeys we tried tonight are unique to Mictors. And then I taste the old overhaul and I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> This tastes a lot like the rye. I do too. Like I'm sipping on the rye now more and I, I really enjoy this. The American whiskey has a very unique flavor, yeah. but I probably wouldn't buy that again. For a similar price, I would buy the rye. The rye tastes yes. the most consistent to me. And now I, I'm actually interested in buying the bourbon. I mean, I would love to have bought the bourbon, but that wasn't an option for me. Um, <laughs> if I hear of you buying any of those Michter products, oh the, the engagement God. is off. Off. Then I won't get the key to the chastity belt. There's no chastity belt. There's nothing happening Oh, then excuse me. Let's go (laughs) off air for like seven minutes. I only need seven minutes. Seven minutes? (laughs) All right, Ed. Take us out. Well, first of all, we would have done this sooner, Mictors, if you would have sent us free bottles. True. And we could have had all of the samples. Right. We could have have had the bourbon. We could have had sour mash. We could have done an unboxing video. Right. But you oh, but, yeah. but you're too good for us, Mictors. But we eventually Shit. came back around and decided to do you. So doing you, we found that the rye is reminiscent to some of us of the Overholt, but for people who enjoy a lower proof like Basil Hayden or like uh, Jack Daniels or the ones that are in their 80s, these have a little more complexity than those two. I think. Yeah, these are very approachable for yeah. new bourbon drinkers. Yeah, yeah, so but they're not sweet. They're not candy they're not. notes. This is why we haven't experienced them before. Yeah. Because they do represent a strange niche yeah. in the whiskey industry. Yeah. They're not sweet, caramely, vanilla expressions that right. you might be they're attracted not. to as an early bourbon yeah. drinker. But they're lower proof yeah. to where an early bourbon drinker might want to be right so it might be the second stage like yeah. you drank your basil hayden and now you want to go to something more complex yeah 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 but you haven't gone all the way up to the elite angel envy rye mm. i think this is really in scott's wheelhouse you're right because my only criticism of these is really that the proof is too low right but uh, you like to drink and eat anyway so I, yes so like i feel like with scott he drinks the angel envy at 100 proof 
And then he drinks some bullet rye in Manhattan. And then at the end of the night, when he's like, all right, I shouldn't have any more, but what should I have? Okay, an 84, an 84 proof Michter's. All right, I'll have one more of them. So he'll keep a bottle of Michter's rye just for that reason. Right, and I'll drink it like, and go, this tastes like a headache tomorrow. <laughs> right. This tastes like I'm making a bad decision. Siobhan, put your top on. Put your top on. Or off. As if it's already off. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> right. Yeah. As soon as I come in, when Ed's Siobhan, not here, it's just right. tits galore. Right. It's like Drew Barrymore on David Letterman's birthday. It's Naked Thursdays. It's Scott. To, I tell you, we talk a lot. I will definitely see <laughs> Hi, Siobhan's dad. <laughs> <laughs> so, for the Whiskey Tangent Podcast, I'm Ed. I'm Scott. And I'm Siobhan. Drink some McDurs. If you can never find some Larceny Brown Proof, get that too. Oh my God. <laughs> oh, <laughs> see you guys. If you enjoyed this podcast episode, be sure to check out our next episode, which is way better than this one. Oh, yeah. Also, follow and like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash whiskey tangent. And follow us on Twitter at whiskey tangent. You can follow me personally at that whiskey guy. And follow Scott at giant cup of awesome, spelled A-W-S-U-M, just to be annoying. Hey. You can email us any questions, comments, or love at whiskeytangent at gmail.com. And of course, you can find us always at our podcast website, whiskeytangent.podbean.com.